This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist they go beyond the usual chatter on politics news science and books it's political and everything beyond on beyond politics subscribe on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts the matt mcneil show for your friday good to be with you today friday the 13th <laughs> uh matt and patrick here today hi patrick how are we I'm doing all right. It's probably the uh, biggest rain event we've had since last fall, probably. It is It is amazing how much water has fallen out of the sky. And, and by the way, and I mean, I might get to this a little bit later on. The um, clearly it is a, a this is a May storm in mid-October. I mean, this is weird. It's just weird. Uh, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We've got a lot of things to get to. Katie Testman is joining us. Uh, coming up here in about a half hour, we are going to talk with her about uh, her new album that's coming up. She's at the Astor Cafe, I believe, on Saturday night. Ooh la la, ooh la la. And we'll play even one or two tracks from her uh, from her album. Also, uh, 4 o'clock hour wide open. But Patrick, you have not been here. Uh, we here are giving away pay-per-view passes left and right, and uh, we have, we've got two ways you can win a pay-per-view pass for the Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour, which is coming into, well, it's coming into your own house because they're live streaming it coming up here a week from Saturday, and that is going to be over at, uh, they're, they're doing it from the, the, a theater in Los Angeles. You can watch it in the comfort of your own home. Stephanie, Hal Sparks, John Fugelsang, Frangela. The whole crew, you it's, it's going to be on pay-per-view, so you can get that. Or you can try to win a pay-per-view pass so that you can enjoy the Sexy Liberal Tour on the 21st, which is a week from tomorrow uh, in the comfort of your own home. You can be, you know, pants on, pants off. I don't judge. Anywho, uh, so there's two ways we're giving away the pay-per-view passes. The first way is later on sometime in this show, I'll call for a certain number of caller. And that number caller, if you are that number caller, guess what? You will win yourself a pay-per-view pass to go watch the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Show a week from tomorrow. The other way you can do that is uh, is is basically we have, uh, of course, we've got our social medias because we're we're like the hip kids. Yeah, and the fact that I just use the term hip kids just tells you everything right there, doesn't it? Uh, yesterday, so what happens at 9 a.m.? Up on the Facebook page and on the Twitter page and on the Instagram page, we make a post. It's pretty clear which post it is. You have to make the correct comment in the comment section. If you do that, you could win yourself a pay-per-view pass. You'll be entered in. Uh, the, the you you uh, Brett and Patrick uh, have, have made the the, the you pulled the number here. It is is a Dinah Debbie is the winner today. That's right, Edina Debbie. Edina Debbie, congratulations. You have got yourself a free pay-per-view pass to watch the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Show 
a week from tomorrow. Congratulations. We will not be doing it tomorrow, but on Monday, on Monday, <laughs> and I'm going to write this down because we need to remember this. On Monday at 9 a.m., Brett is going to wake up, you know, rub the, the dreams from his eyes, open up the, the drapes, see the glorious sunshine, realize, oh my gosh, it's nine o'clock. What am I doing with my life? And then he is going to go to his social media pages and post the post. And here is the phrase that you need to post. In the comment section on either the AM950 Twitter page, the AM950 Facebook page, or the AM950 Instagram page. Sexy liberal man crush. That's right. You know who I'm talking about. That's right. I've got my man crush for uh, John Fugel saying he is brilliant. I'm a big fan of his. So sexy liberal man crush. (laughs) That is your... Phrase that pays. It is uh, the comment, what you have to put in the comments on the social media post on Monday for your chance at winning. Everyone that puts the correct phrase in there, sexy liberal man crush, everyone that puts that phrase in in there will be entered in, will randomly pick one person, and that person will get the pay-per-view pass. Or once again, next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday next week, we're going to be giving away pay-per-view passes on the air here on the radio show. So listen for your chance to win courtesy of AM950 and the fine folks at Stephanie Miller, who are very kind to us to give us these pay-per-view passes to give away. That's very nice of you. We really do appreciate it. 952-946-6205. Friday the 13th, that do anything for you there, Patrick? Uh, Scary, boo-boo, anything like that? Uh, Not at all, really. (laughs) (laughs) It is a... a, a, It's a... Triskaidekaphobia, if I'm not mistaken, is the the fear of Friday the 13th. The fear of number 13. I don't know why Friday the 13th. You could have just made it Tuesday the 13th. I don't know. I mean, it's just Friday the 13th has got a better press rep. It is Friday the 13th. So how about something super scary for you? Yes. Why not? Fourth grade students at a Florida school were left traumatized after their teachers showed them the movie that depicted Winnie the Pooh and his friend Piglet going on a murderous rampage. This according to the New York Times. Did you see this movie that was coming out? I actually didn't know it had come out because I I had heard about it and then I never heard about it again. So I had no idea that it had been released. So I'm assuming it uh, was not very good. Well, it's a horrible idea and I get it and I get it. And I I know contrarian horror film fan. This is just what we wanted. Okay. So a long time ago. I was watching, I think I was watching VH1, maybe, I don't know, maybe Comedy Central, I don't know. And they were re-airing, this was at 10 a.m., an episode of Mad TV. You know, I don't know if you ever saw Mad TV, but it was occasionally funny. In this episode of Mad TV, they depicted the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer sketch only the sketch wasn't as the claymation classic goes. This was some sort of gangland war where eventually Yukon Cornelius guns down Santa and all the elves. It's pretty violent. And here it is, 10 a.m. on a Wednesday, and I kept saying to myself, Oh, my God, did you just, what are you doing? I get it. We're making it funny because you and about six other people thought, this is going to be hilarious. 
Fine. You are also the. I don't know if you remember. There was also a, a bit on Saturday Night Live where the guy was. He, there is a, a one of the uh, one of the the guys that was on Saturday Night Live pretended to be the the reviewer from the 1860s who gave Lincoln a bad review for the the the, the Gettysburg Address. And he would give his thoughts on everything else. And, of course, the concept was everything was bad. And he said right, while, while, while talking about Snoopy and Charlie Brown Christmas, he said, you know, refer to the family guy who killed off their dog on their, on their show. He said, if you ask me, they killed off the wrong dog. And the crowd booed, booed horribly because you just don't do some things with these classics. You don't make horror films, and frankly, sickos, you don't make porn. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, no. I don't think you do. All right? Because you, you're going to go down a bad path here. You're taking a beloved classic, and especially in that, by the way, that Mad TV one I mentioned, that one looked a lot like the show, so I could just see some kid going, oh, my God, they're playing my favorite. Oh, my God! And just traumatized for life. And, of course, there is no culpability, no personal responsibility, none of this stuff. It's just, we made something funny. It's your responsibility to tell the kids. Well, I mean, Mad TV used to air at night. This was airing in syndication. I'm stunned they aired it at that point. I was stunned. Now, in this case in Florida... I don't quite know what was going on here because the movie titled titled Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. uh, Tells the story of how the once lovable honey obsessed bear turns feral after his best friend, Christopher Robin, leaves for college. Enraged by Robin's abandonment, Pooh and Piglet developed a seething hatred of humanity and... um, yeah, it, it as you can imagine, it doesn't go well. They go on a feature-length killing spree during which they slay a group of female university students who have the misfortune of renting a cabin in the 100-acre wood. <sighs> yeah, hey kids, grab some popcorn. Some of the children were so traumatized by the movie they were offered counseling. Parent Michelle Diaz said the teacher continued to play the movie even after some children complained they were disturbed by it. The movie contains some classic Winnie the Pooh kind of scenes, including uh, uh, one there, people getting their heads crushed, and then one being of a person being chucked into a wood chipper. Hey, kids, it's Eeyore. There's also a stabbing, face ripping, nice slicing, uh, neck slicing, arm snapping, whipping, eyeballs popping out, and much, much more. It's one of those, you know, it, it's one of those films where the entire point of it is just the violence. I mean, really, that's why, I mean, that's why, Patrick, you know, you heard it was coming out, but it didn't go anywhere because it was just the point of it is the violence. And I'm not saying films like that can't have some sort of, you know, tongue-in-cheek quality to them, um, literally sometimes. But, I mean, it's it, it just is... Most of that is just plain crap. And the the frankly, the 
number of streaming services that just generally need content, you get more and more and more and more of this. Where, I mean, it, it, it makes it almost seem like when you go back and watch one of the original Friday the 13th, it almost seems like it's folksy. It, it almost it seems like you're, you're watching something that's like really good. This today is just, it's, here's a bunch of kids. They're all going to die in horrible ways. Get ready for fun. And I, I mean, I'm sorry. I do kind of get a point of society. It's like, eh, I wouldn't want my kids. I, I mean, I would be very concerned if my kids were obsessed with these kind of movies. And I get it. You say they're harmless fun. But if, if you consistently watch films i mean of of say drug usage people using drugs and you just keep doing watch this guy watch this guy is that just harmless fun or are you kind of a weirdo and just because these films have a bit of a marketing ploy i don't know uh anyway um common sense media adding the f word is sporadically appears in the movie so you know vocab time kids School principal Vera Hirsch claimed in the new, uh, the, the new uh, Times that as soon as the teacher realized what was being shown, the movie was turned off. The issue has been thoroughly addressed with the teacher, students, and parents. Our students are in school and doing fine. We really did address all the concerns, Hirsch said. Uh, doesn't mean these kids aren't traumatized. And I also want to say this. The fact that this, ki- this, this movie was on and people were kind of like, are you sure you want to show this movie? I, you know, I got some real questions about the teacher because that individual doesn't sound like they're right in the head. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. Uh, once again, Katie Tessman is going to be joining us here in just a little bit. We're going to be talking about her brand new album. Yay. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. We have families waiting for a car. You know, over 85% of unemployed are successful in finding and keeping a job. Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. So I want to give an update in regards to the shooting that happened yesterday. Because once again, I'm, I'm getting inundated with the numerous people screaming and yelling about, oh, the guns never killed anybody. You better ban hammers. I don't remember hammers uh, being able to you know wipe out five cops very quickly. And so, yeah, you can just stop that. A Benton County man is charged with multiple counts of attempted murder after prosecutors say he shot and wounded five police officers, telling his wife it was his day to die. Court records list a dozen felony charges against 64-year-old Carl Thomas Holmberg of Glendorado Township. Once again, small town. Six of those counts are for attempted murder for allegedly shooting those five officers. The firing of a six uh, firing at a sixth member of the Sherburne County Drug Task Force who was not hit. Six counts of first-degree attempted murder of a peace officer 
Six counts of first-degree assault using a deadly force against a peace officer for allegedly shooting a law enforcement as they executed a search warrant. Now, I want to make sure I, I, I mention something here. This is all the counts we have so far. Six for first-degree attempted murder of a peace officer and six counts of first-degree assault by using deadly force. Okay. I'll come back to that. Criminal complaint against Holmberg documents what unfolded in rural Benton County address beginning around 10, uh, 7, 10 a.m. on October 12th when the drug task force members and an accompanying deputies were attempting to execute a knock-and-announce narcotics search warrant. BCA investigators said, and, and they say they haven't released the search warrant, but I mean, it's clear what they were looking for. This is an individual who had some trouble with drugs in the past. BCA investigators said body cams showed the team approaching the front door of Holmberg's single-story home, loudly announcing police search warrant multiple times. The door to a home is seen opening. Officers enter the living room, and a male voice can be heard responding. Seconds later, the company, uh, the complaint alleges gunshots are heard, and the more shots are fired as the officers scramble to retreat. Prosecutors said one task force member was shot in the arm, a second was shot in the chest and hip, a third was shot in the hand, two more were shot but not wounded. They were hit in there. Bulletproof vest, but they still got checked out. As of Friday morning, two officers still remained hospitalized at North Memorial Medical Center. At a press conference on Thursday afternoon, Benton County Sheriff Tony he- uh, Troy, excuse me, Tony Troy Troy Heck said the officers who were shot were members of the Sherburn County Drug Task Force were working undercover. Three of the victims were Sherburn County Sheriff's deputies, while the other two officers are investigators with the Princeton and Elk River Police Departments who joined them. Investigators interviewed Holmberg's wife, who reportedly told them she awoke to the defendant telling her they were here. She said she looked at a video monitor, which, by the way, this the, the, the fact that they in their bedroom have apparently a video monitor on the premises, I think, says a lot about some things. They saw police outside the home, and her husband allegedly told her it was his day to die, the complaint said. She described hearing a door being kicked in, her husband allegedly firing blindly through the closed bedroom door with a military-style rifle. According to the criminal complaint, Holmberg asked his wife to join the fight when she refused. <laughs> she goes to the hell to the no on that one. He allegedly called her a coward. Holmberg was also shot while exchanging fire with the officers. He was eventually taken to custody in a standoff that lasted more than four hours. He was flown to North Memorial Medical where the defendant is being treated for his wounds. BCA agents conducted a bedside interview with Holmberg in the hospital. He reportedly told them he was in the bedroom, heard the task force members announce themselves, did not feel they had the right to be there. Holmberg alleged that the officers attempted to enter his bedroom and shots were exchanged. During the search of Holmberg's home following the incident, BCA crime scene specialists recovered multiple handguns, a shotgun, a rifle allegedly used to shoot the officers, and a weapon dropped by one of the officers. Shell casings were also recovered both in the bedroom and the living room area. Along with the six counts of first-degree attempted murder of a police officer, Carl Holmberg is also charged with six counts of first-degree assault using a deadly force against a police officer. The Minnesota BCA continues to investigate the incident. Now, I have brought up the point that this is an individual who indeed um, has had a criminal past, but the laws in the state of Minnesota make it to where this person could easily have gotten past the timeline or gotten a doctor's notification that allowed him to get a gun. And I have I have made the point that regardless of whether the gun is legal or illegal, the gun is still lethal. You know, that's that's one of the things which it's it's amazing to me there there are the the right-wing trolls and I'm, I'm including Walter Hudson the representative who's who's yeah. 
the right wing trolls like to try to make the argument that the only guns that are bad guns are the illegal ones. That somehow if a cop gets shot by a legal firearm, I guess that's more righteous and justified, benevolent or whatever the case may be because that was a legally owned firearm. It's they only get mad about people firing firearms when they're illegal weapons. The problem with this case is you hear, I mean, it's pretty clear very quickly whether or not these guns would be illegal or not. This guy could have easily amassed this arsenal legally. And if you are a police officer and you are in rural Minnesota, this is becoming a real threat. Legally armed thugs who basically can open fire and can instantaneously, because of one gun, legal or not, can take on five police officers, and the five police officers, frankly, don't really have a chance. Because that's what guns do. Matt, are you going to ban cars? So the police are going to, not going to get out of the way of the car? If cars killed as many people as guns do in this way that people use them as a weapon to ram people with their car, I guarantee you there'd be a lot more rules about cars. I mean, there are car accidents. And frankly, we are fraudulent when it comes to dealing with drunk, drinking and driving. Frankly, I think we should. Frank, I have no problem with putting a breathalyzer in every car in America. That you have to blow into it to be be able to start the vehicle. I have no problem with that. But the reality is, is you don't see people get behind the wheel of a car and Mercedes man somebody where they basically start driving as far as they can at people trying to kill people with their car. Because if that was happening in any kind of capacity with the same sort of uh, consistency as gun violence does, we would actually have laws on the books about that. No, this is this is the great conundrum for the Republicans and for the police because the police love the, the the blind, you know, the, the laws that basically say that they can never be held accountable. I have said numerous times that because of Republicans, they have written the law where a, dr- a police officer could be off duty, drunk as a skunk in a bar. He could look at some guy and say, I'm going to shoot you. Get into his car, drive drunk home, go get his weapon drunk, drive back drunk, back to the bar, and basically shoot that guy. And all he has to do to get off the hook is basically say, I was scared. I thought their cell phone was a gun. I was scared. And that's what the Republicans have done. But the trade-off for this blind allegiance to the Republican Party for police is this. Your target practice. Unfortunately, that's the truth. Because the Republicans are not going to do a damn thing to stop a guy like this from getting armed to the freaking gills. Heck, they're not going to do any damn thing to stop illegal guns outside of saying, well, better not get caught. Unless, of course, it's in the hands of a black person in Minneapolis. Then all of a sudden, we'll go to all ends. But if it's a white guy in rural America, well, you know, he just he just loves the Second Amendment. I mean, why are we persecuting him? No, the trade-off you have to for this blind allegiance is that you have to be target practice because the Republican Party is – they don't even acknowledge the fact that when it's a legally obtained gun that that can be used in a crime. Jesus. They don't even they, – they, they, they just don't even want to acknowledge the fact that there is no axe or hammer or pipe or car that has the lethality of a gun. 
I have fired them in my life. I am a U.S. Army vet. I can tell you right now, guns kill, and they kill with stunning accuracy. And they can take some belligerent idiot in Glen Dorado and turn him into enough of a fighting force where five trained officers, experienced trained officers, don't have a chance. So, police, I want to make sure you understand something. You may, you may not like the Democrats or the left because you feel as if there's going to be too much accountability. You know what we're not trying to make you do? Turn you into freaking targets. Because the Republican Party will do nothing. Oh, sure, they'll go to the funeral or they'll go out there and they'll do a photo op. But they're sure as hell not going to do anything to stop the next psychopath from gunning down cops. They just will not. And that's the trade-off you guys have had to make. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Complete 180 on topic ideas here. When we come back, Katie Tessman's going to join us. We're going to talk about her new album. It is The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. It won't hold on much longer I have trusted you with my heart And that's a start But it's time to let go I am not ready But the gravity is pulling you AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. That's the song Kiss Me. It's off the latest album from Katie Tussman, who is kind enough to join us today to talk about her new album. And, of course, at the Astor Cafe on a Saturday night, uh, she's kind enough to take some time to talk about things. Hi, Katie. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on today. No, it's my pleasure to have you on. As uh, congratulations, on that. now I think I, I can't remember the last time we talked. I, it was the, we talked a few months back about you and the in music. February. Yes, and and mm-hmm. and and you have been busy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. Now, in February, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I re- I released a single. And uh, an accompanying lyric picture book called Hero Now Crowned in celebration of um, all the hardships we have overcome as individuals and as a group. And then I've been recording an album. And tomorrow, the nine song album will be released into the world. And the album is called Fly, correct? Yes. Uh, okay, so this is this is a you know obviously a large endeavor, and I've had lots of musicians on to talk about this. I, I guess the talk about let's start about how you approach the album because one of the things I find is interesting is there's a lot of times 
the the artist will have is like, hey, you know what? I got like four or five songs already in the noggin right now. Mm-hmm. At least maybe not honed down, not perfect, not shined up, but they're there. Was that how it kind of worked with you? Uh, yes and no. Um, I had joined a songwriting challenge um, right after the pandemic. So it was in 2022, I'm going to start writing songs again. Now, before I became a mom 20 years ago, I was a touring musician writing songs all the time. So that totally stopped for me. And then so just recently, I've been inspired to start writing songs and it's been feeling so good. And um, when I decided to start recording, I did some singles. So I did a handful of singles this past year. And then um, I found Michael Koppelman, who is a brilliant music producer. And uh, we teamed up and we looked at all of the new songs I've written over the past two years and came up with this collection. And we're calling it fly you, you you do a what you just described i think one of the interesting things is you and i i i, I mean we're we both we know each other because our kids went to the same school together and we've known each other for many years and i adore you and the one of the things which is interesting is having kind of being in that same age bracket that generation as you with the kids and they're graduating how intimidating was it to go back 20 years and say, you know, I used to write music. Can I still do it today? It, it does it, you know, it's, it's obviously, I think a lot of people that write music obviously can draw upon their life experiences and you, you have tons of those to, to draw off of. But I mean, is there mm-hmm. an intimidating factor that comes in and you're just sort of saying, you know, have I, you know, have I aged out of something like this or is this something that's going to just oh. all like a, like a bike back at it again? Uh-huh. Um, uh, I think because of, everything that I have overcome. Um, I am just, my attitude about my, about being creative is if you like it, great. If you don't go find something else you like. Um, <laughs> and, um, it, it is, it is a, it's a, an amazing realization that I've come to uh, being a 10 year, actually a 14 year cancer survivor um, raising my two boys, um, everything that I have overcome, I've got things to say. And it seems like people are appreciating what I'm saying with my music. Mm-hmm. I'm very, I'm very optimistic. But this collection of songs um, really get to the heart of those tough, melancholy emotions that we all feel in life. Mm-hmm. And and yes, it, I am old, <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I, and I and it's. I'm sort of focusing now on what is my legacy, what am I leaving behind, and not. I'm I'm not a if I build it they will come sort of artist. Mm-hmm. I, I am more of I want to publish these things, whether it be my books or my music. Because I, w- I want to leave something behind for my children and my grandchildren whenever that happens. 
Well, and you want to enjoy it too, and you, it's it's what you enjoy. You, you know, and, and and I I commend you because I think you you did the you know if I can just my personal you know two cents on it, you did the right path. You have kids, you become that's where your focus is. You know, it's it's the days of you you know kind of doing things that are for yourself. All of a sudden, you have kids and you're taking care of them, and here you are. And I imagine there. I mean. Some of these songs, I imagine, have been kind of the, the ideas for them, or at least the inspiration for some of them, probably have been kicking yeah. around a while. It just is one of those things where, mm-hmm. and you, you, your mind never really, I imagine, shut it down. It's like, oh, I could write a song about this, and then five years later, yeah. you're actually doing it. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And um, I had started writing songs during the pandemic because we were all home. Um, my younger son started producing this new music. Mm-hmm. My older son started playing guitar. And then I started writing. And it was so surprising. You know, uh, we got a bunch of lemons. This is what we did with our lemonade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, joining this songwriting challenge through a Facebook group that's open to everybody all over the world. Uh, we get a prompt, and usually it's just one word. And that is the thing that triggers those experiences that I've had 12 years ago mm-hmm. or six years ago. And it kind of conjures up the um, the feelings that I can express through music. It, it's, it is uh, – and by the way, one of the things I also I thought you, you hear there is you see your kids start getting into it. And I, I'm just going to give you one thing. It's like I actually now have a clarinet again because oh. I have watched my my son played trumpet, my daughter played my daughter first daughter played uh, saxophone, my youngest daughter plays trombone, and and yes, and so talented. And, and and I said to myself, you know, I can revisit this. And so you, I think that we should never underestimate the way that your children can inspire you to go back and revisit things. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, being a parent, you get the opportunity to kind of relive your childhood a little bit. Because I was one of those parents that was on the playground playing with the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, you get to go to concerts and um, sporting events, and then you get to be inspired to to do stuff. Well, you know, the kid takes ceramics class, and you you remember that you used to do glass blowing. So then you can go back and do that. There's it's really amazing being a parent mm-hmm. and, and raising these little humans to be adults. You talked about, and Katie Tess been joining us right now, her new album, Fly, comes out tomorrow. She's going to be at the Astor Cafe on uh, as well tomorrow night. Uh, big deals all about. When you're putting together an album, and I, it is interesting that we talk about this because I mean I and most kids today they because of the way we get music nowadays are are more single based it's it's kind of one of those things and so the concept mm-hmm. of the album I think is is I don't know if it's necessarily getting lost but I think it is it definitely is not as 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 sought after as it was before but here you are you're saying no I'm building an album talk about that a little bit you've got singles but how do you piece that together to make sure the right song is right you know in order at that point well, working with um, a gifted producer like Michael Koppelman helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, Michael Koppelman is also a Hopkins School's parent. So, yay. And um, he has a rich history working for Prince at Paisley Park. He is kind and loving and has a real gift at communicating 
to me and other people. He's been producing more people lately um, and crafting and arranging songs. And he was, I felt heard when I said, I want an album that has different chapters of like a person's life or a year of all the obstacles and the summits that you can celebrate. So I want to cover all the emotions and I do in this collection. Um, there's a co-write that we did together. Michael and I wrote a song and that's on the album. And then I also covered a Minnesota songwriter named Tim Cheesebro. I um, fell in love with one of his songs and covered that as well. So, yeah, people can do singles now. People could do like a three-song EP. Um, you could you can do a double album mm-hmm. of 24 songs. There's lots of things that you can do now in this digital age. But we are still pressing um, CDs. Um, lots of people are doing vinyl now because... It's it's a nice. I love holding a book, and just like I love holding an album, so there's ways that listeners can support beyond the streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will have special merchandise available Ooh. at my shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get the merch early, kids. Uh, well, I it, got I got book bags made. Of course, being an author, I need to have a book bag a fly book bag one of the things that's interesting i talked to austin dury who came on from the band dury and you know i am their biggest fan oh i love them i love them i love austin dury they're fantastic and it's great to see them they're doing their tours now and it's one of the things that's really interesting and when you talk about what you can do to release music they did it on tiktok and all of a sudden and and, and they came about it the the really kind of the reverse way i mean they became internet celebrities and then they all of a sudden like we got to make some albums and and it's like and so you there is that there is a freedom i think with the technology today no matter how you want to approach it whether it's you know the singles or doubles or if you're doing just live music or you do want to record or if you just want to do stuff for the internet there are so many ways i think that musicians can get out there now and get that music heard Yes, and there's different ways of different audiences, and you reach an audience in a different way. Mm-hmm. So with Dury, they reached a TikTok audience. I remember going to the new band night um, concert at the First Avenue. Yeah. And, and Dury headlined. It was delayed because of COVID, but it was amazing being in an audience singing along to the new band, like to Dury songs, and everybody knew all the words, mm-hmm. and they're a new band. So cool. Oh. Yes. You, um, you, you've, I'm going to go, we're going to run the, the, the tour here, because you've already been to okay. Grand Rapids Duluth. You're at the Astor Cafe, and by the way, you've played the Astor a few times, correct? This will be my second. So second. The first time I was there in, was in February. I've done the 318 in Excelsior, which is another beautiful listening room here in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yep. All right. You're, yep. I'll you're, be there in November. And mm-hmm. you're, Well, you're going to be in Minneapolis in November, Northfield on the 19th, Wyoming on the 26th, St. Joseph on the 29th, Chaska on the 4th of November, Red Wing on the 9th, uh, Aiken on the 11th, Excelsior on the 15th, Shakopee on the 16th, and then back into Minneapolis, the northeast side, December 2nd. So you're taking a little break for Thanksgiving there. So, you you know, you are kind of doing a nice <laughs> little tour here. That's 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 yeah. got to be kind of fun as well, because it's not just releasing the album, but then getting out and playing the songs for the audience. Yes, exactly. And last weekend when I was in Grand Rapids and Duluth, my son Louis was with me. He's nice. my side man. 
he's my lead guitar and uh and that song that we just heard kiss me he's playing the the um the slide guitar on that song so it's some of these shows are the full band like tomorrow tomorrow night i am um at the astro cafe with my whole band katie tessman and the turnbuckles with nikki lemire as a special guest and um sitting in and on the album she played harp and she sang harmonies but um when i'm going to northfield they'll be solo Mm-hmm. Uh, and Red Wing solo, but when I go up to Aiken, I'll be with Lewis. Mm-hmm. So it, all these different shows on this tour um, are going to be different renditions, and audience members get to to hear the songs and in different ways. And then here, I, I always like to share the stories behind the songs too. And you do it because I, I saw you over at Park Tavern, and you were playing over there this summer. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Loved seeing you over there, and you, you you would talk a little bit about the songs every time. It was good fun to see you there. Um, it's got to be to a to a point. I've, I've always said this about me, and when my father was around, that if you know, it's like we were watching. I remember when the Amazing Race came on out, and I, they, my my friend said, "Would you ever do that?" And I said, "If I went on the Amazing Race with my father, I just sit down at the very beginning, saying we're out in the first ones. We're just I, I can I can already save myself this because for me, it's there is this okay. I know where this is going to go wrong, but the reality is, is this with your son, and especially." In the music industry, this is a gift. You, the ability to be able to look at your, your your son, give him real world playing experience and and musician experience, and kind of help guide his own career. I think that that is that is magnificent. It is, and it is very unique. And I am feeling so lucky that it's working so well. Lewis is an amazing person, and his talent for playing guitar is it's hard to articulate how good he is and not sound like I'm his mother. I'm so <laughs> proud of him. But <laughs> he's he's in two other bands, too. So he is sought after. Um, and so I don't know how long it's going to last that I, I'll have his, you know, he'll be available to play with me. But the other day he said, Mom, you are a prolific songwriter and I love playing your songs. No. So that's really sweet. Being twenty years old, yes, he's pretty. Yeah, he's pretty grown up. All right, I'm going to mention this first. Okay, the album "Fly" is going to be out tomorrow. Astro Cafe tomorrow. Lots of merch. Buy that. You can catch the show. Thanks. Katie Tessman with the turnbuckles. Now, you had said I'm going to let you have the final word here because you had said you like to tell the story a little bit about some of the songs. Um, we're going to play Vines here uh, as we go on out here. What's okay. the story? What's the story about Vines? This is the debut single off my album that was released a couple weeks ago. Um, I had written it for the challenge. It was late, late winter. The prompt word was vines. And I was thinking a lot about love, all different kinds of love, romantic love, platonic love, the love that I have for my children. And love will always continue. It will persevere, much like a grapevine in Minnesota on your, in your backyard. It will take over the pine tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it, is, it is strong. It is um, persistent. It's relentless and determined. 
And that's what this song is about. I, when I wrote it and um, I submitted it for the challenge, it's not a contest. It's a challenge to practice writing. And then you get a variety of comments and we cheerlead each other. And we, we, um, we comment on what we'd like for each other's thing and praise them and ask about their chord progression. But it, this, this song had collected some dust. But Michael Koppelman, when we sat down to look at the songs, to what he wanted to um, to expand with my band, he wanted this was the first song he wanted to do. Okay. And we have Jillian Ray doing um, the the strings part, violin, viola, and cello, and then Nikki Lemire singing those harmonies and playing harp, and Michael Koppelman is playing the acoustic guitar on this. And oh, I am so pleased with how it turned out. And then tomorrow night at the concert, we'll have a turnbuckles version. Okay. And we'll have we'll have drums and Lewis's slide guitar playing. So it's it's a song that, that can sound a variety of different ways, but it's about how love perseveres. Fly is the album. It is out right now. You can catch Katie Tessman and the Turnbuckles at the Astro Cafe tomorrow night. Uh, you can listen right now. Here is Vines from Katie Tessman. Katie, thank you very much. I really appreciate the time today. All my best. Yes. Thank you, Matt. Take care. Vines from Katie Tessman right here on AM 950. I can knock it down, cut it back. I can try. But it will always reach for the sky. Searching and longing, demanding to fly. But most times it leads to goodbye. Mumbling and fumbling, mangled and tangled. Fifteen years. I remember her kids were in the elementary, same elementary school as my kids, and I've known her ever since. And I mean, she 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 is such a book you know fan. She she'd come in and do story time with the kids, and my youngest daughter loved story time with Katie. Loved it. She just thought it was the best thing, and so it's just wonderful. And I, I think that I mean we're not old. I mean, she said we're old. We're we're not really that old. We're I'm, I'm you know I'm turning fifty five next week, and you know so I'm I still got a lot to say and a lot to do, and you know I think that that's the case. And I think one of the things that shouldn't you know whether it's her going back and writing songs again or myself like picking up a clarinet again, you know don't be afraid to go back and revisit things because you might remember it's like oh that's right I really enjoyed this I really enjoyed this. So I, you know, that's all, you know, I think it's just wonderful. So go get Katie's album. It's out right now. Go get to, go see her at the Astro Cafe tomorrow. Uh, You know, I enjoy her. I just, like I said, I saw her over at Park Tavern uh, this summer. She was over there playing on the the patio and it was good. It was good stuff. 
Go catch her over at the Astor Cafe. And then once again, she is playing on a variety of locations. Uh, Northfield on the 19th, Wyoming on the 26th, St. Joseph on the 29th, Chaska on the 4th, and Red Wing on November 9th. Reminder, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, sometime in the 4 o'clock hour, I'll be looking for a certain number caller. If you are that caller, you will win yourself a pay-per-view pass to go see the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Show, which is a week from tomorrow from Los Angeles Steph, the whole crew, special guest too. I know there are some special guests. As a matter of fact, I know them. It's going to be good stuff. So you might want to get those pay-per-view passes right now. Your chance to win a pay-per-view pass, that's coming up next hour right here on AM 950. Hour number two of the show here on your Friday. Good to be with you today, Matt and Patrick. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. By the way... I did mention at the end of the um, the the um, the at last hour about the fact that you're going to have a chance this hour to win a pay-per-view pass for Stephanie Miller. I do also want to remind you on Monday to head to the social media pages. If you don't win today, head to the social media pages. Look for the post Monday on the AM 950 Twitter page, AM 950 Facebook page, and the AM 950 uh, Instagram page. Look for the post there, and then the comments you need to leave on those posts is sexy liberal man crush. Eh, that's me. There you go. Uh, that's where you're going to be able to have a chance at winning yourself a pay-per-view pass on Monday, as well as also um, the, uh, you know, of course, all next week on the show we'll be giving away passes as well. Um, when was the last time... Patrick, you bought a DVD video laser disc. When was the last time you bought a movie? That not and not a movie on a streaming service or an online stream, but an actual physical copy of the movie. I would think uh, want to say it was Christmas of 2019 I bought the uh DVD set of the four Star Trek the Next Generation movies. Okay. Wow. You can actually remember the that you can remember that for four from four years ago. That was the last time you bought well, almost four years ago. Yeah, something like that. I mean, that's just kind of an estimate. I know wow. it was kind of that hazy right before COVID time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because I saw it in a in a bargain bin, and I uh, I had the the original series collection, but I didn't have the next generation collection, so needed to flesh that out. Um, I have a lot of DVDs because that was, you know, right before streaming really kicked off, it still was a DVD world and I had the kids and they wanted to watch them. So we had a lot, we have a lot of movies. I'm not going to deny it, but I, even I have noticed, I have not, I mean, I had gotten all the Marvel movies for the most part. I had most of them. Um, I think I got, um. Uh, uh, Love and Thunder, Thor, Love and Thunder. And I haven't had, I have zero interest in getting the new Ant-Man movie. I have zero interest in getting the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I just don't have any interest in getting those on DVD. It, it's just, it's a change and times change. Now, I will say this, as we just talked to Katie Tessman, there are a lot of bands that still put out vinyl. That there are bands that put out cassettes still. They put out, you know, and, 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 and I, I, although the CDs, I don't, I'm not saying there aren't CDs out there, but I, I don't think it's nearly old enough to be retro yet. You know what I mean? I think that there's still still people using CDs. But I think that the, the way that when you – know, with music, when you got the iTunes and it was like that, I mean it just – it kind of changed everything. 
Well, with the pandemic and people basically looking for entertainment at home, the streaming services changed everything as well. Now here's your first sign that things are about to change and change dramatically. Movie watchers will have until this holiday season to grab all the DVDs and Blu-ray movies they can from Best Buy before the electronic retailer pulls physical movies from the shelves for good. The Richfield realtor said, uh, re- realtor, retailer said this week that it will stop selling physical movies in its stores and online in early 2024. The announcement that the country's last major specialty electronics retailer will stop selling movies could be a major blow to the industry and has seen sinking sales as the streaming has grown dominant. To state the obvious, the way we watch movies and TV shows is much different today than it was decades ago, Best Buy said. Making this change gives us more space and opportunity to bring customers new and innovative tech for them to explore. And yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, they'll continue to sell video games and vinyl records. Uh, they stopped selling CDs, by the way, in 2018, has adjusted its products mix over the years. The technology has evolved with recently an increased emphasis on growing the selection of items. The physical disc sales and rentals dropped nearly 30% and three, uh, to 361 million in the first quarter of this year compared to last year, according to the Digital Entertainment Group. Meanwhile, subscription streaming services have increased 22% in the first quarter of this year to 8.7 billion. You know, I, okay, so the last DVD I got, I got actually not that long ago. I got Streets of Fire, which is a fantastic film, uh, a very young William Defoe in it. Uh, Rick Moranis is in there. Forget it. He was in there. And it's also one of the greatest soundtrack albums of all time. I mean, Streets of Fire is an amazing musical movie. You cannot find that movie. I mean, here is the one problem I have with streaming. And I'm not going to deny because I've got kids, I've got more streaming services than I really want. And, and, And bluntly myself, I do. There's some things I enjoy, too. It's it's very difficult. The other day I went to look for Rear Window, you know, the classic, Alfred Hitchcock. You know, Jimmy's going, look out the window. <laughs> I can't remember. Is that actual line in the movie? I don't, hey, look, it's a nice window. It's a rear window. It faces the rear of the house. <laughs> oh, what a classic movie. Anywho, uh, I went to look for that. Not on Netflix, not on Prime. Uh, not on HBO Max, whatever that is now. Not on Hulu. It wasn't anywhere. And and I'm not saying it is. My guess was, the first thing I said is, is it on the Criterion Collection? Because Criterion Collection, talk about one that I'm actually really debating whether to pick up. That's got all the classic movies on it. And I've thought about the Criterion Channel and picking that up. But... That would be my guess. And I, and so what it is is you you have an idea. We, we have been promised this idea, well, every movie is available. Yeah, but only if you got the right streaming service. And don't get me wrong, a movie like Dune. Dune was on Max for a while. Now it's on – I think it's on Netflix now. They move these things around, I, although I do not think um, uh, Peacock is going to ever release Office or Parks and Rec ever again. For the masses to see. I think they're going to hold on to those two tightly. So, you know, there are some examples of that. But what it is, is it's not that it's there. You can watch anything you want to watch. It's that, you know, if you can, you can, you can find a, a movie that maybe might not have been your first choice, but, you know, it's still there. You'll get some entertainment out of it. I, I'll give a great example of this. I just watched The Accountant, Ben Affleck. Did you, did you ever see that one? 
I did not know. It's not bad. As a matter of fact, it's actually quite good. I thought it was a good movie. And Anna Kendrick's in it and John Lithgow's in it. So, you know, it's, you know, if you if you basically are willing to just, okay, fine, good enough. I, I think that's the case. But that's one of the things I think about the DVDs and I, why I'm very hesitant to get rid of my DVDs is because there are already probably 40 films I have which I have never seen on a streaming service. And I'm not saying they're not out there, but Better Off Dead. Remember that great one, uh, John Cusack? I've heard of it. Oh, hilarious. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> I'm his prostate? No, prostitute. That's it. There. <laughs> Very good movie. Uh, I like that. I've never seen that one on the streaming services. And especially if you get into some of these lesser known movies, I'm not going to go get one of these tertiary, non-existent, you know, um, streaming services just because it's the only option out there for me to see a one film. I'll just pass on the film. I'm not going to get myself into a $20 a month fee on that. Yeah, and I think you're illustrating some of the uh, the the problems with this. And like you said, you know, stuff is just kind of this is more TV. But you know, you might have like two seasons of a show split between one service and three seasons on another service. Yeah. And you know, and the DVDs. You know, and of course, the other thing we're not really talking about because it's so ubiquitous is internet access. If yeah. you know, if you go up to the family cabin and you don't have internet, and if you don't have you know, you can't watch streaming services if you don't have internet. So, you know, it's a good good idea, I think, to still have some of those physical media uh, accessories. The problem, though, I have is it's getting harder and harder to be able to actually find things that use DVDs because my my laptop that I bought in 2021 doesn't have yeah. a, a CD drive on it, so I would have to get a, a an external player Cable. to be able to use that. I got that, that. I bought my DVD player. The last one I bought, which was a few years ago, actually has access. I can you know connect it to a computer if I need to. No, I. I it, and here's where the problem comes in. It's like Netflix. You're like, oh, why are you just showing movies? I wish you had original content. And then you got you got a movie like Disney. Disney does all this original content with the Marvels and the Star Wars. And what's the thing? It's, it sucks. It's horrible. It's no good. I, I. I mean, I think you know. Does does just everyone want to watch? You know. You know, Sex Island, the the reality show, because that kind of it feels like what it is. Is it's just like you know, it's it's it, we have all this on there, but most people are just going to watch Sex Island. It's about having sex, you know. And you're like, oh god, nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Get those DVDs. Get those DVDs. And I, you know, the second they stop selling them. That's when all yours will become valuable. Well, unless they've been opened and used. For God's sakes, you got to keep it in the package. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. An update on this story. Terry Martin took a sledgehammer to the emergency exit and a plexiglass display case at the Judy Garland Museum in August 2005, believing the famed ruby slippers he was stealing were made with real gems. Wow. It wasn't until he met with his, his jewelry fence that he learned the so-called ruby slippers were made of glass, knowing that he washed his hands of the historic prize, one of several pairs worn by Judy Garland in the 1939 classic film The Wizard of Oz. I don't want anything to do with them, Martin 76 told Chief Judge Patrick uh, Schlitz Friday morning at the federal courthouse. 
The Martin in a wheelchair and carrying a carting oxygen pleaded guilty to the theft of a major artwork and offered a few answers in the decades-old Minnesota mystery that has drawn international intrigue. The plea tended to for months by a court-appointed attorney, Dane DeCray, and Special Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Greenley is sealed, but it includes the recommendation that Martin get credit for time served, according to his attorney. Martin remained free after Friday's hearing, dressed in a flannel shirt and wearing a mask. He left a cart house with an unidentified woman and man and was driven away in a dark minivan. Martin's sentence date has not been set. Martin was indicted in May by a federal grand jury. The slippers on loan from a Hollywood memorabilia collector were stolen from the museum in the actor's one-time hometown of Grand Rapids, Minnesota. They were recovered in a sting operation in Minneapolis in 2018, though no one was publicly linked to the crime for several more years. Known as a traveling pair that were regularly displayed in public, the famous shoes were lifted from a wooden pedestal encased in plexiglass from the museum that wasn't too tricky to breach after hours. Earlier this week, the museum's former director recalled seeing the glass strewn about the floor the day they were stolen. Just felt violated. My adrenaline kicked in, called John Kelsch. Martin pleaded not guilty in June, was released with conditions. A jury trial was originally scheduled to start this month. Garland uh, born Francis Ethel Gum. Good call on the name change. In uh, Grand Rapids, she spent her early pre-California years in the woodsy northern Minnesota t- area. The Judy Garland Museum was founded in 1975, has been a current location since the early 2000s. Garland continues to be celebrated annually at a multi-day Judy Garland Festival held in June. Make your plans accordingly. So this idiot thinks that the ruby slippers are made of actual rubies. All right. You do understand that those shoes would probably be worth like a billion freaking dollars, right? And yeah, okay. What do you do with them? Um, this would be like if I went to the MIA and, and took one of the paintings. I mean, this is, I mean, okay, we can kind of scoff a little bit about, uh, the, the Ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz comparing it to maybe a, you know, a Jackson Pollock painting or something of that nature. But the reality is, is that this is one of those iconic things of American cinema. I mean, I, where, what was it that they was the Burt Lahr script, the working script for Wizard of Oz, for the guy that played the Cowardly Lion. He basically, I think that sold for like $200,000. I mean, these things are worth a lot of money. You have someone who, I mean, the intent was clear. They went to steal these. They did not, this was not about, well, I just want to see if they're, they're rubies or not. No, they... Busted in the door, busted the plexiglass, took the shoes and ran. And yeah, he's old now. And I'm going to guess a little bit they're playing up his elderly age for the courts. But crime is a crime. And just because he was dumb about his crime to begin with and he's old now, does that mean you don't hold him accountable for it by saying, "Okay, we're going to let him go home? Because I can tell you right now, if, if if this was someone younger or a minority, that people would be saying, throw the buck at them. How dare they violate the great institution that is the Wizard of Oz? Judy Garland's an, a statewide uh, saint. That's what they'd be screaming. Here he is, and he's like, I'm old. You can't really punish me. And I'm like, you know, yeah, maybe we can. 
And don't get me wrong, I don't think this guy should go to jail for the rest of his life. But I don't think he should be just getting, you know, the stern finger wagging and saying, don't try to break into another museum and steal an iconic piece of American cinema history again. I think you have to have some level of consequences for stealing. I mean, do they? I don't think they 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 describe the price of them. I don't think they said that in the, the the story here. I thought they were worth a few hundred thousand dollars. Do you remember that off the top of your head? No, I I. But I think that was probably what I think he. Uh, it was a speculation. I think he probably just got in too deep. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to have these things going to be worth millions of dollars, and I'm like, oh, it's not really what I thought they were going to be, and now I'm just kind of. Stuck. Well, and you know what? I don't know the criminal world, underworld of the Grand Rapids community, but I mean, how much, how many fences are there that could, in worldwide, worldwide could fence a pair of the ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz? You are talking, you know, that's something that you would have at like some Malton Embassy, you know, villa that is up there that no one really even knows is up there and is never seen by the public because, you know, it's just, you know, something that happens. I mean, I so I mean, clearly the guy made some mistakes. But do you just say, well, he's old and he made some mistakes, so he shouldn't go to jail? I I mean, he tried to steal three hundred thousand dollars worth. I mean, I'm and I'm taking a wild shot in the dark on the price of the ruby slippers. It could be actually worth a lot more. As a matter of fact, do me a favor. Type in price of ruby slippers. See what the, what the, what the ruby slippers go for nowadays. Because you know, if it's you know, a million dollars. Yeah, you got to put this guy in jail for a little bit, can't you? You have to have some deterrent to stop someone from trying to steal something iconic cinema you know, from cinema. Oh, you're not going to believe this. $3.5 million was the estimated value. <laughs> you can't just let this guy go. You can't, you can't just like, you have, my God, I my, my next door app, every once in a while, I'll go look at it because dear lot, I have, I, I, there are quicker ways to die. I'll go look at the next door app and they'll, they'll push some video out there. Look what happened at this jewelry store where one guy comes in and bashes a case and steals a $50,000, you know, necklace and runs out the door. And because that person happens to be black, they'll say it's lock that guy up for life. Well, that's like a $50,000 necklace at most. This guy took $3.4 million worth of, you know, red shoe. You got to put him in jail for a little bit. You got to put him in jail for a little bit. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Stephanie Miller's Sexy Liberal Tour is coming to you via pay-per-view a week from tomorrow from Los Angeles. If you would like to get a pay-per-view pass, call right now, uh, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Caller number five, you will win yourself a pay-per-view pass to watch Stephanie Miller and the entire crew from Los Angeles a week from tomorrow. 952-946-6205, Good luck with that. Uh, I I I got to read this story that is just I, I mean it's depressing as all get go because it's you, yeah it's it just is it's it's what you imagine. 
Staggering, unnerving, mind-boggling, absolutely gobsmackingly bananas. These global temperatures shattered records reached dangerous new highs over the in, over the past few months. My climate scientist colleagues and I have just about run out of adjectives to describe what we have seen. Data from the Berkeley Earth released on Wednesday shows that September was an astounding 0.5 degrees Celsius, almost a full degree Fahrenheit, hotter than the prior record. July and August were around 0.3 degrees Celsius, Celsius uh, hotter. Uh, 2023 is almost certainly to be the hottest year since reliable global records have begun since the mid-1800s and probably for the last 2,000 years and well before that. While natural weather patterns, including the growing El Nino event, are playing an important role, the global uh, record global temperatures we've experienced this year could not have occurred without the approximately 1.3 degrees Celsius, that's 2.3 degrees Fahrenheit, of warming to date that uh, from human sources of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gas emissions. And while many experts have been cautious about acknowledging it, there's an increasing evidence that global warming has accelerated over the past 15 years rather than continued at a gradual steady pace. That acceleration means that the effects of climate change, we're already seeing extreme heat waves, wildfires, rainfall, and sea level rise will only grow more severe in coming years. It's accelerating. I don't make this claim lightly among my colleagues in climate science. There's, there are sharp divisions on this question, and some aren't convinced it's happening. Climate scientists generally focus on longer-term challenges over decades rather than year-to-year viability, and some of my peers in the field have expressed concerns about over-interpreting short-term events like the extremes we have seen this year. In the past, I doubted acceleration was happening in part because of the long debate about whether global warming had paused from 1998 to 2012. In hindsight, it was clearly not the case. I'm worried that if we don't pay attention today, we'll miss what an increasingly clear signals. Look outside today. Look outside. What do we have? We have three inches of rain in basically a little more than 24 hours. That's not normal. It's not normal to be dry as, as, as bone for, you know, three months and then all of a sudden get three months worth of rain in 24 hours. You look at the data. I mean, we're not talking about extensive research and 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 data and reports and these dry things. They're just taking the freaking temperature and writing it down. That's all they're doing. That is all they're doing. They're looking at a thermostat. There is no agenda here. And as the hot, uh, the world gets hotter and hotter. It's becoming clearer that the, the the weather patterns are broken. I was reading the story in what was it, the Reformer that was talking about what happens when flood insurance becomes underwater itself. That you can't, there, there's no insurance company in this country that's going to offer it anymore because there is no money to be made in it. You're paying out because there are so many floods. While at the same time all this is happening, while at the same time all this is happening, we basically have an insane amount of people still insisting there is that we shouldn't do a damn thing. We don't have to. And I don't quite know what to do there. 
I wouldn't be making – I'm going to go back to the story. This is the New York Times. I wouldn't be making this argument if I didn't have strong evidence to back it up. The data we are getting from three sources tells a worrying story about the world warming more quickly than before. First, the rate of warming we've measured over the world's land and oceans over the past 15 years has been 40 percent higher than the rate since the 1970s. With the past nine years being the nine warmest years on record, second, there has been acceleration over the past few decades in the total heat content of Earth's oceans. We're over 90% of this energy trapped in the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere is accumulating. Third, satellite measurements of Earth's energy imbalance, the difference between energy entering the atmosphere from the sun and the amount of heat leaving, shows a strong increase in the amount of heat trapped over the past two decades. If Earth's energy uh, imbalance is increasing over time, it should drive an increase in the world's rate of warming. I remember, gosh, what was it, 15 years ago? When they had people going into the tundra and pointing and saying, see this over here? And they'd show some little bog area and there's all these bubbles coming up out of the ground. Because she goes, that didn't used to exist. That bubbles is methane escaping from the ground. It's methane. You can't stop it. I mean, it's, it's, I don't quite know what you do with it. At this point, I mean, it's even back then they were saying if, if we were to stop everything going into the atmosphere 15 years ago, we might be able to turn this around by 20, 2060. But here we are. Not only here we are 15 years later, and it's clear things are accelerating out of control. You still have people insisting, well, there is no problem here. Why aren't you getting more oil out of the ground? I'm going to post this story. Yes, it is a New York. I'll gift it. I'll see if I can gift it off the New York Times. It is truly a terrifying. The, the, the graphs for this thing should scare you to death. Or if you're a Republican, get you screaming lies because they have convinced themselves people looking at thermostats is somehow, some way, lying. Uh, Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Jerry Ben Hawkins out of Blaine. Congratulations, Jerry. You yourself got yourself a pay-per-view pass to go watch Stephanie Miller and the Sexy Liberal Show. That is coming up a week from tomorrow on the 21st. Now, once again, I want to remind you, I can take a few minutes here to remind you of the two ways you can win. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Next week, I'll be giving away a pay-per-view pass every one of those days. All right? We're also, each one of those days, going to be giving one on uh, giving one away via our social media pages. Go to AM950 on Facebook, AM950 Radio on Twitter, AM950 Radio on Insta. And at 9 a.m. or so on Monday, there'll be a post made. Brett will put that post up there. And all you have to do to get entered in to possibly win the pay-per-view is put in the phrase that needs to go in there in the comment section. And everyone that does it will be automatically registered to possibly win the pay-per-view for that day. The phrase for Monday is sexy liberal man crush. Sexy liberal man crush. Yeah, that's me. Uh, So on on Monday at 9 a.m., look up on the socials, put uh, put that... That that sexy liberal man crush into the comment section, and you might have a chance at winning 
the pay-per-view pass to the Sexy Liberal Show. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Um, I have to uh, – I, I, it's, it's manna from heaven when Dina Winter chimes in on the, on the, the sheriff dude. So I've got to – I'm going to just spend a good chunk of the rest of the show going through this. Richard Mack is a former Arizona sheriff who is the most visible proponent of a <laughs> – I love when journalists do their damn job and they basically say, yeah, what you're about to hear is just plain lunacy. Now they didn't say it like that, but they said this is this is the journalist. This is what I love. Richard Mack is a former Arizona sheriff who is the most visible proponent of a baseless legal theory, asserting county sheriff county sheriffs have the power to refuse to enforce any state and federal law they deem unconstitutional. Baseless legal claim. He just finished a tour of nine Minnesota cities where he was feted by right wing audiences eager to hear his argument that sheriffs as opposed to the courts, are empowered to nullify a law they deem unconstitutional. Once again, completely made up and lunacy. They can't do that. That, that, is, that is not their job. For conservative audience who feel besieged by Democrats winning the popular vote in some of the past eight presidential elections, Mac's argument, Mac's argument sounds comforting, especially in ruby-red con- counties. Mac's assertion has no basis in history or law, however. <laughs> the National Association of Sheriffs rebutted Mac's idea in a short memo a decade ago. This is from the National Association of Sheriffs. Sheriffs should not fall into the mythology that any oath of office taken by the man or woman who fills the position of sheriff conveys upon that individual an extraordinary powers or duties that are not otherwise set out under the constitutions and laws of the respective states. Furthermore, a sheriff should always perform his or her duties in accordance with the Constitution of the United States as interpreted by the United States Supreme Court. During his appearance at a Republican Party meeting in Blaine at a Thai restaurant this week, Mac downplayed the radicalism of his project, arguing he's only advocating for simple constitutional checks and balances. Uh, sheriffs, by the way, which originate from the medieval English sheriffs, are unmentioned, by the way, in the U.S. Constitution. So nowhere in the U.S. Constitution does it say, hey, there's all these rules we're putting out with the Constitution. But if you're a county sheriff, ho, 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 you really have the final say. Nowhere in the Constitution is that mentioned. About 50 mostly white older people showed This this Republican Party is having a heck of a time with Generation Z Uh, and and the millennials. And for the most part, a lot of Generation X are done with them, too. Uh, Most about 50 mostly white older people showed up at the Blaine event. None in uniform, by the way. That bothered Mac, who said he's disappointed that the two Minnesota sheriffs, two. I want to repeat this, that just two Minnesota sheriffs, Crow Wing County Sheriff, Eric Klang and Stearns County Sheriff Steve Soika attended any of these nine meetings, even though all the Minnesota sheriffs were invited. Wait a second. Wait a second. You showed up for this meeting? So you have some county attorneys that show, or county sheriffs that actually showed up to meet with this guy as he told, he's telling them that you don't have to obey any rule you disagree with. 
And by the way, funny story, if you ever if you watch any of the other, you know, breakdowns of these guys, the it's funny. The rules, that the laws they always deem are unconstitutional. Funny story, all seem to come from Democrats. But the laws which come from the Republicans, you know, I can't, that, that, I can't question that law. 952-946-6205. Let's go to David in California. Uh, hi, David. How are you, my friend? Hey, Matt. Yeah, I'm sure glad you're talking about this. Um, if I remember right... Well, can, David, a- David, can I ask you a quick question really quick before you get into your point? In, Cal- yeah. in California, does, it, does clowns like this run around out there as well? Uh, if you get into the outback counties, yeah, it, down near Las Vegas, there are a couple of... Orange County used to be the heartland of the Republicans, and there were they were full of nuts, John Birchers and all sorts of people... But, you know, I think there's a combination that's going on here. Um, if you think back uh, right after the American Revolution, uh, you know, 1776, the aristocrats uh, were left behind. Uh, they were constantly sabotaging us uh, by coming up with crazy ideas. Then uh, if you study the Civil War, the British tricked the South into secession. And after they lost, they left the Klan behind. And then, of course, after World War II, uh, a whole pack of Nazis were allowed to get into America and get themselves put into positions of power. So if you think about aristocrats, Klan, and Nazis, they all have a different version of master race. But they don't really, uh, they don't always agree with each other. Uh, you know, a bunch of toothless, uh, you know, Southerners are not uh, Aryans, uh, and the aristocrats don't really get along with any of the other ones. So they're they're easy to pit against each other. But if you start looking at them as pirates, that they all just really want to, you know, uh, grab grab it and go. Uh, they all want uh, sort of ultimate power. Uh, there's a period, uh, you know, an, an interim period where there's a lot of devastation, but they're easy to, to crush in the long run because when they get injured, they want to get some doctors to heal them. You know, when they get uh, all well, this fight and get some hurt, and then they need some doctors to heal them. Well, and, uh, well, and David, if I can step in here really quick, and I want to ask you this here. The... Uh, well, first of all, we, okay. So, we, we, let me ask you this: Where does this 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 sheriff Uberallis thing come from, it, or where does it apply? Where, do, where does it apply to these the aristocrats, the Klan, and the Nazis? Oh well, I was just going to raise the old issue of Robin Hood, yeah. uh, the evil sheriff of Nottingham, <laughs> and uh, that uh, you know the Republicans have been yammering for years about big government bad, big government bad, but then all of a sudden they get a guy like uh, an ultimate power sheriff. Isn't that big government? Well, so they can't yeah. even get their story straight. Well, and one of the things, and, and David, and thank you very much, and two things really quick, it's, and I just want to touch on and add to this. One, uh, the, the South didn't need Brits to convince them. They, they, they wanted to keep black people as slaves. Um, it was the slave owners who basically were making a mint off of slave labor, and as well, they convinced the poor whites that if they basically freed the slaves, that that was their job, their house, their wife, their kids, their dog were all going to be you know owned by a black person, and so they scared them into voting for or to, to fighting for them as well. But that all being said, um, you see, and here's where the problem comes in is, and I have said this before, we now have in the state of Minnesota, 
we have laws that basically you can have a red flag law. And so you can have a judge basically say, you know, that person should not have a gun. And say you have that and you have this crowd. And once again, I want to point out Crow Wing County Sheriff Eric Klang and Stearns County Sheriff Steve Soika both went to this nutbags seminar, meeting, rally. I don't know what term you want to use, but they both went there. If they honestly think they can pick and choose what laws are going to pass, okay, so say you have someone who's a domestic abuser that a judge basically signs off saying, take the guns away from them. And they say, well, we're not going to do that because, ping, I'm the county sheriff. I determine what laws are. It dictated. And then two days later, that man indeed does shoot their ex-spouse and kills them. Um, they're going to basically, once again, you've just put the county on the line because the county is going to lose millions for not doing their job because you basically made their and you probably personally will lose millions to do so. But, you know, you keep thinking that this is a good idea. Stupid. If you don't want to enforce the laws on the books, I got an idea. Don't run for the county sheriff position. Uh, going back to this, and once again, Mac invites you know all the county sheriffs of Minnesota. Only two of them showed up, but the fact that two of them showed up, dear Lord. And once again, that's Eric Klang and Steve Soika, the Crow Wing County and Stearns County sheriffs, respectively. They may have declined because the Institute for Research and Education on Human Rights sent a letter to every Minnesota sheriff and the attorney general warning them about Mac and his group's connections to white supremacists. There we go. We can tie it into David. We can tie it into you for there for good. Mac, who wore a black button-down shirt and a crisp Wrangler jeans, said the feds aren't the boss of the sheriffs. Ah. Oh God! I think about Big Helmet from Spaceballs. <laughs> You want a great classic movie. Rick Moranis in that movie is about as good as it gets. I mean, he is – that is Rick Moranis's Pink Rick Moranis's Pink Panther. I mean, he is he – is, that is as good as it gets. I'm doing good. You doing all right? Uh, the feds aren't the boss of the sheriffs, he said. Abortion and Democrats are bad, and he's being unfairly labeled crazy by the left in the media. Well, you better go back to that first part of that sentence there where he said abortion and Democrats are bad, and you're being unfairly labeled as crazy by the left. Yeah. And for $11 a month, you too can be part of the posse by joining his group, the Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association. Uh, You know, it's... You're close. You actually could almost call that crap, C-R-A-P, but it's not. It's it's off a little bit, but you know you got to get the idea. The posse comitatus concept is a key antecedent of the constitutional sheriff's movement, historians say. Boston College historian Heather Cox Richardson said earlier this year that the Vox podcast now and then that the late 19th century, we get the rise of both lynching parties and posses who sought to restore the law from these unconsidered un, for those unconsidered worthy. Its roots lie in the 19th century power struggles between over who should get full participations in American democracy and expanded to include immigrants and freed slaves. Basically, it was, you know, it was lynch parties. Posses were 
was was one guy saying, "Oh, I'm I, I'm I want to round these people up." And by the way, I mean this whole concept led to massive levels of injustice across the country in a lot of different places. And just it, it's not what you base something on unless you know, you know. Uh, Richardson characterized the thinking this way. We don't think the law is being enforced because the people who've been elected to do it by the voters, the judges, the politicians, that systems have been corrupted. Therefore, the good guys, as they're often described as the great hero coming from the outside, need to take over the law and restore the law to what it should be. Later, elected sheriffs in this tradition were often the most violent opponents of the federal civil rights laws. The infamous attack on the Edmund Pettus Bridge took place in Selma, Alabama, the county seat in Dallas County, where the sheriff, Jim Clark, maintained he had the authority to override the civil rights laws intended to make easier to vote, Richardson said. Most recently, the constitutional sheriff's movement can be traced to the Posse Comitatus movement, a far-right movement, anti-violent anti-government group that peaked in the early 1980s and evolved into the sovereign citizen movement which is also believed sheriffs could nullify laws. This is These are the people that kind of are out there insisting that there's no laws that apply to them. They don't need driver's licenses. They don't need to register their car. They don't need any of that stuff. Mack traces his awakening to a 90s-era U.S. Supreme Court case, which the tribunal invalidated a piece of the Brady Bill gun control law on federalism grounds. The court said the federal government couldn't require sheriffs to do background checks on gun purchases. Mack was a plaintiff. It was just one of the many federalism cases decided every year in which the courts weigh the rights and responsibilities of federal, state, and local governments. Mack took on a maximalist view of the court's decision, claiming for himself the power of local sovereign. He lost re-election in the mid-1990s, has been touring ever since, trying to recruit law enforcement officers to join his movement and his group. And this he's managed to win over the blessings of some state sheriff's associations, which have allowed members to receive continuing education credits by attending his sessions. Wow. Uh, Jessica Pishko, an independent journalist and lawyer who's writing a book about the rise of the sheriffs in America, has been following Mac in his training. She said he considered more like a holy roller sermons and sales pitches for sure. He talked at the Blaine event for about an Amish farmer who was sentenced to six years in prison for refusing to abide by the FDA's order to stop stealing herbal products like chickweeds as solve. Mac doesn't mention that the man claimed they could cure cancer and skin disorders. So basically, he, he was a guy selling quack medicine, and he got sentenced for that. But, of course, Mac leaves that part out because, sheriff! He repeats the debunk claim that U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is now a multimillionaire after four years in Congress. Not true. He tells a story about how a U.S. Department of Education SWAT team detained a California man for hours because his ex-wife didn't pay her student loans, even though the feds disputed that, saying the case resolved around fraud. Perhaps seeking to avoid charges of racism given the movement's roots, Matt Car- makes a curious claim about how he would have responded as a constitutional sheriff when police were called to arrest Rosa Parks for refusing to get up out of her seat in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, you know, he basically tries to say, I would have done it differently. Uh, Senate District... Uh, Oh, excuse me, Mac and his like are also co-centric circles of far right have won influence Donald Trump's Republican Party, however. Senate District 32 GOP Chair Mary Amlaw ran the Mac meeting. Allie Schmidt promoted her school board candidacy and Representative Nolan West, Republican from Blaine, who was forced during his 2016 run to legislator to disavow his previous support of the Confederacy and white supremacy, told the crowd that socialists in the DFL want, really own the legislature. These aren't your grandpa's Democrats. 
Uh, Max arguments that sheriffs can decide which laws to enforce. And by the way, and they all were there with a guy who says the county sheriff is the law of the land. Uh, yeah. Can I ask this? Why have we not gone to those two county sheriffs? Let me scroll back up here on the story and and ask the question, why haven't we gone to the Crow Wing County Sheriff Eric Klang and the Stearns County Sheriff Steve Soika and ask them, hey, um, you know, if there's a law you disagree with as the county sheriff, are you going to enforce it or do you believe that I have been appointed by God himself to dictate what is and what is not legal? Because I think that that's a little bit of an important thing. And by the way, if you are a Republican in Crow Wing County or in Stearns County and you say to yourself, you're just a liberal, it's angry. No, 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 no. Let me make sure you understand something. I'm trying to be your friend right here. Because if either one of these sheriffs decides that they're going to be a constitutional sheriff kind of thing, and they decide they're not going to enforce laws, and they end up causing a bigger problem than they solve by not doing that, guess who's going to pay for it? Not us liberals in Minneapolis. No. The conservatives of Crow Wing County and Stearns County. You guys are going to be on the dime for that. Because that's not – you don't sue the state for a county offense. You're suing the county. So you don't think this is a big problem? Fine. Let it go. But then when you get sued for $200 million because someone got killed because the sheriff didn't do their job, well, don't come looking at us. Don't come looking at us. You want to see where all the stupid is, go look in the mirror. 952-946-6205. I'm the county sheriff. We'll take a break. Come on back. Dancing on a Friday. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. One more time, a reminder for Monday for the uh, pay-per-view pass entry on the social media. Sexy liberal man crush. All right. That's the phrase you have to use out there. It is Friday the 13th. That's right. That's right. Scary time. Uh, I'm going with uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, this is Thriller, of course, uh, taking us out. I'm going to be. I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to do the Thriller dance. I couldn't. Maybe I'll do a little bit of it. Uh, have a good weekend. Make sure you're back here on a Monday. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one until Monday. See ya.